0: Hello everyone, welcome to Creation.Live. I'm your host, Trey. With each episode of this show, ICR scientists gather with subject matter experts, apologists, and other special guests to discuss pressing issues. Whether that be ICR's current research, something new that has come to light in the scientific community, or something else entirely that ultimately impacts how science points to our creator, the Lord Jesus Christ. We hope that these conversations are encouraging, and enlightening in an increasingly chaotic world. I have with me today, my co-host Lauren. Hi. And I have with me once again, Dr. Mark Stangler, Mark Sr., and Mark Stangler Jr., uh, Mark Jr. So thank y'all so much for joining us again. Thank you. Thanks. Absolutely. Uh, we loved having y'all on here last time. Uh, and so today we're going to uh, talk a little bit about the purpose of creationism in evangelism and apologetics. Of course, ICR exists in that realm. And uh, we know that y'all have a lot of experience in using that as an an evangelism tool. So um, we'd love to just dive into that and what that means to you. So uh, to get started, um, what brought y'all into the realm of using creationism in apologetics and evangelism, and just like what led y'all into evangelism in general? Mm.
1: Well, I think when I got saved many years ago, I just had a innate desire to talk to people, you know, about the Lord Jesus and um, salvation. So uh, at, at first I thought, am I, am I a little bit kind of strange here? I want to talk to everyone about this, and you know what I mean? <laughs> Maybe just extroverted. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so no, so I actually, so I would go out and just start talking to people, you know, on Saturdays, I'd go out into the area and just randomly go start talking to people and talk to people I knew and people I didn't know. And it just kind of, you know, went from there. When Mark Jr. was younger and he can talk about it, I think he would kind of come along with me. And then it just developed later on into, it's just a weekly thing now, every Saturday I'm pretty much involved in street evangelism. And, you know, it is set up in a certain way with a certain group of people, and um, creationism is definitely a large part of our outreach. There's different reasons we can talk about why that is, but I think it's very, very important. I think it's foundational. And I do agree with ICR. If you don't uh, understand and believe the book of Genesis, the first book of the Bible, if you don't take it in the way it was intended to be understood... Uh, which means as any book of literature, when it's meant to be literal, you take it literally. Mm -hmm. Um, And so as a historical narrative primarily, um, I think it's just foundational because as anything, if you don't have the foundation, the rest of the house will fall. And so for me, it is foundational many different levels, um, including being in medicine, you know, from the biological aspect, but then also from the scriptural aspect. What do you think?
2: Yes, I... I, th- I think it is very foundational. Um, I think of some religions which don't have a creation story. So, for example, uh, like Buddhism, Hinduism, they don't have this concept of a creator God who created the world out of nothing. So, when you, when you share the gospel with them, you ha- kind of have to build that, that base first because they don't, you know, the gospel is Genesis to Revelation. If we have no f- creation, we have no fall, and we have no need for a savior. Um, so, the creation is, is, is super important um, to understand the, the faith, to understand the Bible. So, when we go to another religious group, the Darwinists or people who believe in Darwinian evolution, um, something similar. They don't have an understanding of the creation story. So, why do I need to, you know, what's the need for a savior mm. of, of redemption? What am I being redeemed from? Where am I going after I die? Um, all of these questions can't be answered unless you have a creation story. So, Uh, That's one of the reasons why it's so important to understand, you know, what does the Bible teach about creation? Why do we believe God created the earth, created the universe? Um, Why do we not believe that the universe is a result of random processes? Uh, So all these things, you know, interplay with with explaining the gospel. Absolutely.
0: Well, I know that to many non-believers, you know, science and faith are just completely incompatible. uh, And that I think that spills over to a lot of Christians as well. And that like, oh, yes, I believe that, you know, the Bible is true. I believe that, uh, you know, Jesus is my Lord and Savior. Uh, But then science is also like separated from that. Like there's some sort of like mental separation Mm -hmm. there. Um, uh, Particularly when it comes to creationism, what would you say to a Christian who believes that like creationism has no place in, in the conversation at all?
1: Well, I certainly run into some Christians who just don't take the book of Genesis literally. And, I mean, in in my opinion, if you start doing that, I mean, it just turns into nonsense. Mm -hmm. You start making it metaphorical, allegorical, I mean, it just turns into absurdity, really. I mean, who would ever write a a, a book with, uh, you know, very specific genealogies as some way to give someone pleasurable reading? I mean it just it just doesn't make <laughs> rational it doesn't make rational sense. I try not you know? to skip
0: over yeah. those portions <laughs> <laughs> we all do.
1: You know. So what I basically tell them is like, look, I mean the book of Genesis, you read it as it's intended to be read. I mean, mm-hmm. look at the language that's used. It's mainly historical narrative. Why would you read anywhere else? You don't have words in there, you know, have metaphors or similes and all those types of, of things. Number two, it's very important because when you have um, the New Testament in terms of the Lord Jesus, or you have Paul referring back to literal Adam and Eve, I mean, you're gonna make them uh, talking nonsense too, right. which obviously they're not. So you have to have that foundation. Number two, uh, scientifically, and the evidence of what we see in our complex biological you know, life that we have here, it also gives support scientifically and logically in that, you know, the universe had a beginning. That means we would need a mind, a creator, that's timeless, spaceless, immaterial, very powerful, and, according to the Bible, very personable, very personal. Those are the attributes we see of God. Well, it just so happens when you, when you examine the Bible, the God of the Bible, the only one true God, all those attributes match up to what you would expect. You also see in the Genesis narrative, yes, I mean the universe began at a focal point. And then as we keep going on in Genesis and you read how each kind re- reproduces its own kind, I ask people, now in all of human observation, is that what we, ob- we have observed? Absolutely, that's what we have observed. So it's just, you know, it's so important to demonstrate the clarity of Scripture and also correlating to reality.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll just add on to that that some Christians think that if you take... Uh, Genesis literally when it's supposed to be taken literally. I mean, I mean, I guess just trying to say there's some confusion about what does it mean to take something literally mm-hmm. because they think, well, you know, if I take Genesis literally, then I have to read the rest of the Bible literally and then it's just like, well, you don't read all the Bible literally. You read the parts literally which are meant to be read literally. You read the parts allegorically or figuratively which are meant to be read that way. So I think there's just confusion over that and a lot of it comes from um Again, just a misunderstanding of, you know, how do we interpret the Bible? And there might be critics who say, well, if you take the Bible literally, then you, can't, then you have all these, these problems. Uh, if you take, you know, the Genesis literally, well, then you're going to take everything in, I don't know, Ezekiel literally, with all these symbols and temples and visions. You know, things like this. It's like, well, right. you know, we interpret the Bible uh, according to the genre, according to the way that the original uh, readers would be able to understand it. Um, and
3: Genesis is written as history. Yes, exactly. Yeah, that's exactly. like in the original languages, it's very, very clear. Like talking to people who know those original languages, it's crystal clear. This is how this was written. It was written as a historical account, not as a poem or an allegory or anything like that.
2: Definitely. Yeah, that's that's a solid point. And so I think part of it is just simply educating Christians on uh, how to properly, you know, interpret the Bible, uh, interpret Scripture
1: And I think, to be honest, I think there's maybe two aspects to it. I mean, some people just don't want to maybe open their mind to the possibility this is God's Word. I mean, they just are locking that out. Now, to be fair, I mean, before I became a Christian, I mean, I spent a couple years examining it because I didn't want to get, um, you know, misled or suckered in or whatever term you want to use. You know, I was kind of very critical in that I was looking at the Bible— Internally, for its evidence, is it coherent? You know, is it meshing? Is it contradicting itself? All that I was looking at external evidence uh, in terms of objective evidence, archaeology, manuscript evidence, eyewitness accounts. Uh, one very powerful category is predictive prophecy. Mm-hmm. You know, no other book has the kind of evidence that the Bible has in terms of that. You know, talking about a messiah figure who we born as a male. Who come from a, a family by the name of Judah, will be born in Bethlehem, the small village, You know, out of all the places in the world. How this Messiah figure, uh, 1,000 years before he came, you know, in the book of Psalms, would uh, die by crucifixion, for example, which hadn't even been invented yet, by the way. Mm. So you get these kinds of details, and hundreds of them and again, they're not generalized types of things. Hey, it's going to rain in six months from now or something. I mean, so easy to disprove. They're
3: so not fortune cookie prophecies <laughs> right. where it's like, oh, something generic is going to happen to you in the next I mean, this few is,
1: years. So I'm kind of like I tell people, I was kind of like looking out with one eye open. Mm-hmm. In other words, one eye is like, well, if this is true. This is phenomenal news or the good news, yes. right? But on the other hand, I don't want to be, you know suckered, so to speak. Yeah. So I'm going to just make sure, you know, I uh, look it over. And, it be, and people are different, you yeah. know. Some of us are like that. Other people, you know, it doesn't mean one person's right or wrong. Some people hear the gospel and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, then that's fine. Now, maybe as part of later on, they learn more and able to defend the faith and educate people more. That's important too. But so that was kind of how I came about to it. Uh, how about you?
2: Yeah, I think that the the questions that um, we're asking the the reason why we have to defend uh, the 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 faith in this way and use this type of apologetics is because the questions that right now our culture is asking. So, whatever seventeen hundreds in America, people weren't asking the same questions about Darwinian evolution or th- things like right. that. It just wasn't it just wasn't a factor, you know. Mm-hmm. And, but now, now it is. So in America, in Europe, these are the questions people are asking. So now, uh, as Christians, we need to address them. Um, so we're just simply being faithful witnesses. These are the people, these are, this is what people are asking. This is where there needs to be clarification. So we're going to address this topic um, through science, because this is, again, one of the, the hot topics. Um, it's respected in our society. So right now we're going to invest a lot of energy and scholarly work, uh, an effort into understanding, you know, what does the Bible teach about science? What does the Bible teach about uh, evolution? And it doesn't mean that you have to be an expert. I think, right. unfortunately, the, part of the problem with apologetics and, and theology and more intellectual-sounding uh, fields of studies, well, I leave that to the expert. You know, I leave that to the PhD. I leave that to the theologian, the scientist. I'm am I'm a stay-at-home mom. I'm a business person, whatever. I can't, you know, that's way beyond my reach. Uh, and maybe, you know, we'll get into it in a little bit, but a lot of the questions, and we talk about these in the previous podcast, uh, a lot of the questions you ask people are not that difficult mm-hmm. concepts to grasp. And they're very basic things, like like you mentioned uh, earlier, Dad, about origins of life. How do mm-hmm. we get started? I mean, this is not like rocket science. This is just basic questions to get people to think. Um, and surprisingly, even some of the most educated uh, Darwinists, PhDs have not even asked those questions themselves or considered, you know, well, how did life start? Um, things, things like this. Yeah, like
1: one example we quite often use, and it's been eye-opening for a lot of people. Now, whether it had been PhDs or just a general person, everyone can understand what we're saying here. And that would be just a, a basic uh, type of deductive logic. I, mean, I won't make it too complicated. But oh, basically no. it's logic. <laughs> 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 but it goes like this. Instructional information always comes from a mind or minds. That's premise number one, or statement number one. Then we ask people, now, do you agree with that, or can you give me an example where instructional information, say, like a software program, or you know directions in a blueprint to make a building, or did not come from mind or minds? Mm. Some people think and think, "Well, no, I can't think of one." OK. OK, so then statement or premise number two is, DNA is instructional information. I and mean, there's just no arguing about it. Everyone agrees with that, right? Caring on how to make proteins, how to make the body plans, and all that, okay? And then so the conclusion is DNA comes from a mind. So who is that mind? So that's kind of a starting base, you know what I mean? So the kind of, no matter where people come from, it is a powerful, powerful argument um, for the need for an intelligent creator. And also, we don't stop there and we go into more detail who this creator is because, again, the evidence is so abundant in what we have As I keep mentioning, whether it be in the Bible or archaeology or predictive prophecy, eyewitnesses, accounts, so any event. So there are ways you can talk to people and, and, you know, yeah, it's eye-opening for a lot of people. You can't get instructional information out of randomness, which is what Darwin Evolution is. Darwin Evolution, you know, they exchanged the true God for a false God. You know, a God with capital G became, you know, God with a small g, which is Mother Nature. And Mother Nature, when you push people on it, does Mother Nature have a mind? Well, no. Well, you just agreed to the premises we just talked about, mm-hmm. so you've gotta throw that off the table. It can't work. Right. So anyways, that's maybe one example.
0: That's, that's a good example. I was gonna ask, so are we like, if creationism is like a piece of the puzzle are we either, because uh, I've heard different things from from different people. Some people say, oh, you have to focus on creationism. I've heard people say, if you bring creationism into the conversation, you're already like damaging your witness. I've heard that from Bible-believing Christians who I, who I trust in a lot of other areas, but I've heard that. Uh, what would you say in regard to that as far as like, using this piece of the puzzle they're like science isn't isn't that important when it comes to this you just need to you know let the lord do the work kind of thing and it's like well but i mean you're supposed to give a defense for your faith right mm-hmm. that's my always my response is like that's part of it right yeah. what would you say to that well i'd say yes i
1: mean it's biblical first peter three fifteen. always be ready to give an answer to the hope that lies within you. Now, in our world today, there's a lot of questions about evolution and science and how this all meshes with the Christian worldview. So I think it would be unbiblical to just throw it out and say we don't have to be ready to give an answer. Um, I'd say a lot of people who say it's not important, to be honest, in my opinion, they are probably haven't spent the time in terms of talking to people interested in it. They... Um, maybe don't want to put the work into it. Because to be honest with you, and I, to be fair to people, I mean, you know, I've been in the sciences for, you know, many years, I got a master's in human biology, then in medicine and et cetera. So, I mean, there's a lot of information, although there are other ways to simplify, which is what I like about ICR. I mean, they do that. They simplify it so that the churches can use it for the average person. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're more into more technical stuff, they supply that too. So it's very well-rounded in that way. I think a lot of people just, um, I mean, let's just say it the way it is. In Christianity today, there's a lot of laziness. I mean, I'm not cutting down, you know, God's church, but I'm just saying it the way it is. Uh, The average Christian, in my opinion, and we run into a lot of them in our street evangelism, they don't read the Bible on a regular basis. They don't look into the meaning of things more in depth. They don't have any sense of how to use logic, apologetics, and all this. And they're basically, you know, they become... For the wolves, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So, some of it is self inflicted. The other part, in my opinion, is it's a big weakness in the church. And I know that's why ICR, again, one of its reasons for existing is to, you know, because, you know, you can't, pastors can't be doctors and biologists and all of this. And so, you need someone filtering the information and bringing it in. Mm-hmm. We just still need, as a whole, and Mark can tell me what he thinks about this, as a whole, it's a huge weakness in the church, so to speak, you know. The church—it's—it's it's a big weakness in terms of people being educated in the Bible. I think there's not enough churches um, preaching the Word of God verse by verse, expounding on it. There's not many churches that have classes on apologetics, um, and so it's a big weakness. And then all of a sudden, people are surprised when they look at the statistics. Their kids go to college, and 80% of them, you know, leave the Christian faith. Why would you be surprised? I mean, it's like sending someone into a war without, you know, any defense. Or weapons of war. I mean, you'd say that's, you know, mm-hmm. we say we're sending, you know, uh, our army or navy or whoever it is into some kind of war, and they have no kind of defense mechanisms, they have no weapons of war. You say that's absurd. Well, that's basically, to be honest, what's happening in the churches. And so the average Christian we talk about, I mean, whether it be the Bible, the evidence for it, what they believe, why they believe it, how science actually is a doorway to the Creator. It's the opposite, because think about it at this level, and I want Mark to comment on what we're seeing in Christianity today and why that needs to change, and hopefully as organizations like ICR now, there's that will change. Um, think about it for a minute. Without the creator God of the Bible, we can't even have science. Mm-hmm. We can't even have in life. Well, why is that? Well, as people have expounded on in books before, because we, don't, we wouldn't have the preconditions we need for life. In other words, repeatability in nature, uniformity. The fancy word is induction the past predicts the future, right? Mm -hmm. So in other words, think about all the chemical reactions. If they're just random and changing all the time, you couldn't have life. Our body structure wouldn't stay together. The laws of physics wouldn't work. The laws of mathematics wouldn't work. The laws of biology wouldn't work. Everything's so random, you'd have to have order. And whenever you have laws, you always have a law giver. Mm -hmm. So you can't even have science Mm -hmm. because science requires uniformity in nature. See, from a Darwinian model, now the reason why it's dead is you can't have uniformity in nature from a random supposed explosion. No laws come from that. You get no laws, no. you get no information, no instructional information, uh, no types of steady state. Um, so, you know, it, again, it's again, it's a religious viewpoint that has no evidence. Mm. Um, these people who believe, you know, the world began with an explosion, and from that we got laws that govern the universe. Mathematical. Have you
0: ever seen an explosion? (laughs) Thank
1: you. Does it ever create order? And shouldn't science be observable and repeatable? Well, now, if you can show me a peer-reviewed paper, okay, where they studied an explosion and got order from it instead of disorder, and actually got instructional information, I'd like to see it. <laughs> Our listeners, know, send it in. Please we want to see it. I'm open to it.
3: <laughs> well, if it's does, out there, yeah, let us know. Let yeah. us know. Well, it anyways. does lead into another question. We'll start with you on this, um, Mark Jr. So we've talked about this is a weakness currently in the church. It's just not being taught. But that begs the question, why does it matter? Why is it important that we need to bring this back into Christian discussion? And just why does it matter? Can you tell us your thoughts on that?
2: It's a. It's a really helpful question. I think that as a, as a church, as Christians generally, we need to, uh, take back the, the phrase that all truth is God's truth and not just see our lives split up into, uh, spiritual and then the daily practical things, um, that God is involved in all areas of our, of our lives. Uh, and that's, you know, that comes out of, uh, ICR is in the evangelical. You could say tradition, and that comes out of you know the Reformation with Martin Luther explaining that if you are a clergy, if you're a priest in the Catholic Church, or you deliver milk, or you work in a farm, whatever job you have, whatever you're doing, God's involved with it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's important. It's a, it's an act of worship. Uh, so we, I think we need to see that the sciences, which unfortunately has been dominated by people in the secular world, uh, instead of seeing it as just an, an evil because. Has been used for ungodly ends often, uh, to influence people not to fall in Christ, but um, to leave Him sometimes, uh, instead to say, No, well, God created science. God's the one who uh, designed uh, our, our minds, designed our world to be understood. And so we're going to take it back and use it as an act of worship, uh, to worship God, to glorify Him, instead of just succumbing to the culture and saying, Okay, you guys have it. The, the university and the institutions, the liberal institutions, You've taken the science away. We're just going to stay and do our, our private Christian thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when God's called us, just like you said in Genesis, right, to take dominion uh, over all the earth. So that's that's in every spirit. God wants us to take dominion uh, and to do it well. And just because you're a Christian and you're involved in, in the sciences or whatever field, but particularly for this conversation, the sciences, it doesn't mean you can't do it well. Um, I think ISAR is a, an excellent demonstration of that, that there are people here who do science well. Uh, and you don't have to skimp on your research or fudge the numbers to try to make it fit with what you believe about the Bible, uh, but you can be objective, as objective as possible, uh, and still do study well. So I think that's why it's important, uh, because God's designed it. Uh, it's meant to be used to glorify Christ, um, and it's, it's also a tool of, of demonstrating God's glory uh, to people who don't know him when they see Christians doing well, Uh, in the sciences and they understand this is God created this and he designed us uh, to be involved in this area. And then why do you think that we're kind of, I
0: hate to say, losing the battle in that regard, but why do you think that we gave up so much ground as the church? Uh, Why do you think that we just kind of like backed out of it and let it happen?
2: Yeah, I think there's probably different factors. One that comes to mind is you had this whole like the kind of around the, the time of the 1900s with like the Scopes trial where you had the guy, I forgot his name just come to mind, but you had the person, I think it was William Jennings, like try to defend evolution in like court and then he lost. And then, um, evolution was then taught in schools because one person didn't do like the greatest job defending evolution. I'm sorry, defending the Christian faith. I don't, I don't know all the details about it, but you know, that kind of started then this, this trend of, okay, evolution is the norm now in schools, mm-hmm. starting the 1900s. Um, and then we said okay we lost that battle so we're just going to leave it to whoever the government or whoever's just making teachers sign. are in charge teachers, teachers in yeah, charge yeah, yeah. yeah the teachers are in charge um and so i think that that was part of it that kind of started things uh but then also was kind of a fear of okay well science because it's being it's again dominated by i don't mean political liberal i mean liberal in terms of either liberal view of the Bible, that's not God's word or just secular, uh, is controlled by these elites. Um, so they can, they have it and we don't know how to answer, you know, them. We don't know how to answer the responses. We lost that, that trial, um, back in the 1900s. And so evolution became the norm now in public schools. Um, so we can't recover it. And I think part of it, the other part of that too, in the churches, I think that's kind of the society at large starts from that. Um, in the churches, you have churches uh, which don't believe in the inspiration, the infallibility of God's word, and unfortunately, there's there's quite a few of them. And I'm not, I don't just want to criticize churches here, <laughs> right. but uh, as I'm a member of a, a church, but uh, unfortunately, a lot of mainline denominations, and which is still a sizable population in the U.S., uh, they don't believe in the the inspiration of God's word. Um, they don't believe that that many important facts uh, of Scripture really occurred, including uh, the creation account, or they just simply interpret it to uh, what the culture says. They fit the Bible to the culture, uh, and there is a lot of them. There are many theologians like this who might have good writings in other areas, but when it comes to uh, the creation story, they really succumb to the culture, which is unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have you know theologians, prominent church leaders, um, you know. For, maybe if you've been catching up with what's going on in in England, with the Church of England, a lot of liberal theology, uh, unfortunately, going on there. And this is, you know, a sizable portion of the Western world um, has churches which don't believe that the Bible is truly God's word. You know, I don't want to say thankfully is never good when when people um, leave the faith or churches die, but there is kind of a weeding out process. We don't see the mainline liberal denominations really growing. We actually see the evangelical churches growing that believe in God's word. So I think it's going to start changing because like we talked about a little bit in the earlier podcast, once you take, when you start to change one parts of God's word and say, well, this really isn't true. There is a mistake here, a mistake there. Then the rest just, you know, falls. And then what's the point of having the church anyway? Exactly. If, if it's not true, right? Exactly. Yeah. The church loses its mission um, and everything falls apart. So, I think that there's a starting to be a shift, which I think is a good thing. It's hopeful that actually evangelical churches are going to be growing more that believe in God's word as, uh, as infallible and, and the more liberal denominations are, are going to die out.
1: Yeah. Well, maybe just tag on to that. I think, you know, expand on what Mark said, I think he, in terms of the trial he's talking about, I think it's not so much from a legal aspect, you know, someone won or lost. I think it's the answers that were provided during that trial from a Christian perspective really weren't well crafted, weren't well, you know, given, so to speak. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it could have been much better. And that's why, again, you need, you know, if you had someone, of course, not that time, but let's say it came in today's time, you had a trial, you had, you know, scientists from ICR, you do very <laughs> well. You do very well from a legal perspective with evidence. You know what I mean? But I think what he's saying from uh, just uh, the way the answers were given, it, it did show some weakness in terms of being mm-hmm. able to justify what you believe and why you believe it. So I think, you know, what he said is true. If you If you don't take the Bible as God's literal word... Then all sorts of things are gonna happen. But there's a purification that's going on. And, um, you know, from one standpoint, it seems like a sad thing, but it's also, you know, in God's eyes, it can be a good thing. Would you rather have, you know, a certain percent of Christians who are true Christians, you know, not false converts? Or would you rather have a large number of people who say they're Christians and there's a la- large number of false converts in there? Right. Social Christians. Yeah. Right. I mean, you know, it's like they're on a sports team, right? You know, let's say you got 30 players. If you got 10 who are really dedicated to winning and training and supporting one another, and you have 20 who really aren't into it, um, would you rather go with the 10 as a team, or you want the 20 who really aren't, you know, their hearts aren't into it? Good point. I'd rather take the 10, yeah, personally. But I think the point is, Christians, and I'm saying all of us, you know, and I'm, now I'm using, you know, secular terms, <laughs> We need to get a backbone. Yeah. You need to get a backbone. You need to challenge everything. Everything that opposes the mind of Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter mm-hmm. 5. Anything that's in opposition to the mind of Christ and God's word, you need to challenge it. Now, I don't mean challenge in terms of you know, you know, uh, fighting physically and all that, but you should be challenging everything intellectually. Mm-hmm. It's a good thing to challenge things. science, we should be challenging everything. Everything, even if we think it's pretty sound, it's okay to challenge things, you know? Now do it in a respective way and so forth, but challenge everything that you're told. Challenge everything. Again, not in a disrespectful way. Uh, Like I said, when I was younger and I challenged myself, you know, what the Bible had to say, if it was coherent, if it was logical, if it was evidence-based, you know? uh, Became so evident to me that it was, you know, phenomenally
0: sound in many different ways. I'm glad I took the challenge. Yeah. Yeah. It, it makes sense also. I was thinking like you should also be, again, not in a disrespectful way, challenging your pastors. If they say something from the pulpit, you need to be double-checking Just that. like the Bereans yes. in Scripture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so. they
3: were praised for doing that. So going off of that, we've already talked about why this matters in the church, but now I would love to hear y'all's thoughts on how. How would you use some of these tools as far as um, the evidences for creation, the evidences that evolution cannot be possible. Some of those things we've talked about in this episode and also the previous episode that you guys did with us. How would you take some of these tools with you into talking with it might be separate approaches for evangelizing unbelievers with this information and kind of using it to raise some questions um, or talking to believers who are maybe struggling in their belief of Scripture in every area. What are some ways that y'all would recommend utilizing some of these things to start those conversations and to get people thinking about this, whether they're an unbeliever or a believer who's struggling?
2: Yeah, I I think that um, one of the helpful things about Creation is that, or I guess origins is that it's kind of neutral. So just simply talking to someone about, you know, where do you think we came from? How you know, how do you think the Earth started? That's there's nothing religious necessarily about that. Um, A religious sounding is not going to just turn someone off completely. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think it's just, and everyone wonders about it. Everyone thinks about, you know, how did I get here? Um, And I'm sure if you were told, especially going in school, that well you're here by an accident, by an explosion. Uh, over millions of years that you'd probably, I hope, would question that, and it's kind of a bizarre explanation. Uh, so I think that just starting with the idea of origins, because um, like I was talking about earlier, not everyone in our in our culture now shares this idea that uh, God is a creator, a personal creator of us. And so if we explaining the gospel, it'd be very helpful if we have that base of creation to start with, um, you know, creation, fall, redemption, kind of following that, that storyline. Um, but if we don't have the creation part, then, you know, where's the fall come into place? Where's redemption come into place? So uh, I think it's important to start with that origin question. If we're, we're speaking with someone who might not honestly believe that God created uh, created the universe or that there is a personal God. Yeah. What do you add to that? And you mean like in terms of creationism, mm-hmm. using that as, as far a tool? as
3: creationism, using that.
2: Well, of course I have a bias. So I
1: usually start <laughs> with biological things, right? And so basically just starting to talk to people and, ask them how they can explain all the biological uh, both design and function that we see in our world. You know, how could your worldview explain that? Now, the biblical worldview, nicely tell them, explains it because you have this very intelligent, you know, powerful creator who's also very personal, who basically had to give us almost an instantaneous design, like in six days. And why would that be? Because when we start looking at the cell and all the nanomachines that run a cell, and the cell membrane that envelopes it, which, by the way, is complex in and of itself. If we just take one part out of one nanomachine, or one of the nanomachines, or change the cell membrane, whatever, the cell is going to die in seconds or minutes. So what that means is we would need to have a life virtually instantaneously on this Earth, designed uh, such where... You have instantaneous life with the ability to reproduce, uh, the ability to have continuous environmental tracking, adapt to its environment. And this information has to be preloaded within it. You see, when we look at life now, and this is what's coming out, and this is what ICR is also demonstrating. So when we look at creatures, organisms, again, it could be microbes, it could be plants, it could be animals, it could be humans. All of them have to have the genetic information. And that ge- genetic information for life to have started had to have been preloaded. Mm-hmm. There's no way you could, out of randomness, get a genetic code. It'd be like having a software program for a nuclear power plant and all of a sudden just randomly putting in you know coding instructions and voila, you got this program. No one would believe such an absurd thing, right? So we'd have to have this preloaded genetic information. We have to have instantaneously all the parts of the organism or creature instantaneously because you, within seconds and minutes, we all know, whether it be in medicine or in biology, cells are going to die. Cells mm-hmm. die. Mm-hmm. The organism dies. So you don't have the time for nature, natural selections, nature, to figure out how to start putting things together, mm-hmm. to get the information, instructed. You. you
0: don't have the time. Oops, I messed up there. Let me try again. I'm yeah. going
1: <laughs> to be generous and say, I'll give you minutes to hours. Yeah. Okay? You don't have the time for it to happen. So it all goes back to the creation account. And that's mm-hmm. you know one of the things I point out to people, uh, and most people seem to resonate with it.
0: I was, I was just thinking as as y'all were explaining this, like, and the goal here is not the goal here is not to just be like, oh, see, look, I'm right. Like that's. When you bust out science, I think a lot of people think like the goal is to win an argument. Mm-hmm. Like the goal is to, I am correct, therefore you are wrong. I win internet points or something like that, you know? <laughs> and, but, it, but it's not about that. Like the goal in using these tools is to lead people towards Christ.
1: It's to show that he is right and his word is right. Yeah, That's what the goal is. Now, of course, we always try and go beyond that. Why do you have value? See in a Darwinian model, as Dr. Galusa says it's just tooth and claw. Death is a good thing. You really think death is a good thing? Mm-hmm. Why are you so sad then when your friend passes away, your grandmother? I mean, to the non-believer, mm-hmm. why are you so sad about it? You know what I mean? It's just part of the evolutionary process, which is a good thing. You know, is to weed out those you know genes of which aren't as good and passing on to the offspring uh, the better genes. Uh, you don't really live your life that way. You really don't believe it, and then move on to destiny. What's your destiny? What's going to happen when you die? As far as I know in medicine everyone pretty much dies within 125 years at the most. So it's going to happen. Now we know in the biblical account why that happens, why there's physical death and why there's spiritual death and what the solution for it is. And then uh, purpose. Maybe talk a bit about purpose, Mark. I mean, we see we have a purposeful world, and the Bible talks about purpose too. Maybe expand on that.
2: Yeah, that's that's a, a great point that the the Darwinian model, this or the secular atheistic worldview, they have answers to these questions, but they're not satisfactory answers. They don't they don't satisfy anyone to just say, "Well, you're an accident. You just create your own purpose, and death is final." I mean, no one's satisfied with that. I mean, we since we've now kind of moved beyond the the intellectual and out to the spiritual need of someone, um, and so everyone you know wants to live a purposeful life. Uh, that's why, unfortunately, that's why people end their lives because they say, there is no purpose for me mm-hmm. anymore. They, I have no reason to exist. I have nothing greater than myself. Uh, and so then, you know, when we, we introduce them to, to the gospel, that you go from this randomness, which is not just uh, a randomness in terms of, of biological randomness, but in terms of your life is random. I mean, you, your, your existence is random. Now to, to the gospel, which is purpose, everything is purposeful. God's designed your body, designed the universe in a purposeful way, and he's placed you on this earth for a purposeful time. Uh, so now we can introduce, you know, the idea of, of God's sovereignty over their life, that God has a reason for them to exist. Uh, he wants them to know him. He wants them to be part of, um, sorry, not just, not just know about the Bible, um, but also live in the Bible, live in the story of the Bible, um, and be part of, you know, what God's doing through his son of, of fall, um, of creation, fall redemption. So now they're they're part of the redemption. They're part of uh, a world that is fallen, and you talk about the second law of you know, thermodynamics. Just scientifically, it's it's yeah. running down. But you know, spiritually also, it's it's fallen. There's there's sin in this world that's broken. So not only physically is the world broken, but it's spiritually broken. Well, now you can be part of God's new world that's going to be uh, forever perfect.
0: Mm-hmm. So-
1: yeah, and Mark pointed out something very interesting uh, a few years back with our evangelism, and I was guilty of it too. A lot of time we're talking to non-believers and you know, we're getting conversations going, it's going pretty well, and we always focused like a lot of Christians do on, you know, on eternity and heaven. But Mark, as he pointed out, and he's very correct, and I've corrected my ways on that too, incorporating it, what about the here and now? Mm-hmm. See, we can have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ in the here and now mm-hmm. and have the abundant spiritual life here and now. So what about right now? I mean, this can change your life, and the quality of your life right now and the relationships you have with people and with your creator and have joy. See, there's a difference between happiness and joy. Mm-hmm. Happiness is gonna be fleeting even for the Christian. You know, how your health is, how your finances are, how your relationships are. It can go up and down because we're human, you know, and we have emotions. But joy, um, joy is something that should be constant for the believer. Why? Because the victory has already been won. You know, we're going to have eternity with God. We have the Holy Spirit within us right now. And, and look at the captain of our salvation. It says in the book of Hebrews, for the joy that he had, you know, he went to the cross despising the shame. So, um, you know, we can have joy. So if someone wants to experience joy, true joy, and not just fleeting happiness, um, they can have that through a relationship with uh, Messiah Jesus.
3: Well, that's what's so exciting and encouraging to me personally, because I think you mentioned earlier that Genesis is really the foundation for everything else. It was either earlier in this episode or the last time we spoke with y'all, and just Genesis providing that foundation for everything. It's not just a foundation for science and just for the gospel, but it does affect everyday life. And I remember in my teens when I really recognized that and just realizing Not only am I going to get to spend eternity with God, but if I believed in an evolutionary worldview, then there would be no purpose to my existence. There would be no purpose for the existence of those around me. Everything I accomplish in my life is worthless. And yet with the Lord and realizing that we were created to glorify our God, to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ— it puts meaning on even the most menial things that we do. And so even when we're taking care of the kitchen or when we're at work doing some of our most basic tasks or talking with other people, whether they're believers or unbelievers, those things matter. We have like an ultimate sense of purpose in all of that because we want to glorify the creator and we want others to glorify the creator and we're made to enjoy him and to enjoy the things that he's made and to be able to see different things about him through those things. And it's just... It's not only is God right, but his way is also best mm. because all the things that he says in his word about beginnings, all of that is correct. But also, like you said, it brings so much joy. It brings purpose. And as tragic as it is, um, uh, a dear friend's relative recently also took their life and it's, it's tragic, but sometimes it surprises me that more people don't into that way because I can't imagine living without the purpose that Jesus Christ has given to me. That's mm-hmm. what drives everything in my life. Mm-hmm. And that's what's so beautiful as believers is we do have that purpose. And I just, I have so much compassion um, for people who are just in such a low place because I mean, it makes sense. If you don't think you're worth, if you don't think you're worth anything as a human, if you don't think you have any purpose in your life, then my goodness, that would be tragic.
1: Well, let's, let's do I'm doing this off the cough of my head right now. Sure. Yeah, excuse me for it. No, no Hopefully, it'll be interesting. Let's do a little kind of mind experiment right now. Let's, let's compare and contrast the two different worldviews. Mark, feel free to add in. I'll do the Darwinian one, a little bit of the Christian one. Okay. So we start off with your life came about by chance, randomness was a fluke. You live a life of no hope. Um, you have a really, in the end, so it's, it's, it's a worldview, religion of despair. It ends in death. Now let's contrast it with the Christian worldview. Created by a creator, a loving creator with a purpose. We have true hope. We have joy. And we end with death followed by a resurrection, of eternal life with the creator. What am I missing, Mark? I think that's a pretty good three-point <laughs> three <laughs> sermon. <laughs> yeah. Sounds yeah. like a good three-point so sermon. Uh, <laughs> which, so so what, would, what model would you rather follow? Mm-hmm. One that's truthful, has true joy, evidence behind it, you know, objective evidence, um, explains the world around you, and ultimately, you know, where you can be, or one that's just, you know, it's, a, it's, it's darkness, despair, tooth and claw, destruction. In death, so mm-hmm. I think the contrast is very clear. We just need to get that comparison contrast out to the people, you know, as as God's people. I'm a big fan of um, evangelism, you know. We we hear a lot about making disciples in our churches, but it seems to me we're forgetting a step. We're forgetting a step because remember, you can't have disciples unless they heard the message. Mm. That's evangelism. So we're going, you know, we're we're skipping a step there. So I think that's why, you know, ICR provides that building block for the evangelism so we can make disciples as we're commanded to in Matthew
0: 28. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Two things. Uh, It was just an interesting uh, thought that popped into my brain. I remember, like, growing up in Baptist churches in the 90s, uh, I feel like in the way I was raised that there was a lot of evangelism and not a lot of discipleship. Mm. Uh, and I feel like there has been a switch Mm. in, in recent years is instead of like, oh, we're going to go out and we're going to go for numbers and like try to convert people, you know, like that's, that's what it was when I was growing up. But now it's almost the opposite of like, okay, Christians, let's get together and make sure we know everything that we need to know about our faith. Uh, but we've kind of missed the step of like, Hey, there's people outside the door still, uh, who, we need to invite them in. Um, at least that's been my experience. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Second thing, you were talking about the two world views. This is something that I saw on my Facebook feed of all places. You know, I'm, I'm friends with a lot of non-believers, uh, and you see things like uh, millions of years of evolution have prepared you for this, and isn't it just so comforting that you are the cul- the perfect culmination of stardust and light and uh when you're dead and gone you'll be nothing more than a memory and like I've no that's not comforting (laughs) not not to me but I've seen people say that and like where do you think that that comes from like there are people who will say things like that and what what kind of uh I don't want to say rebuttal because I mean it's sad to me to see and I don't want to like rebut them in like a negative way but like what do you say to someone like that who believes in like, they're like, yes, I want to be gone when it's all over.
2: Um, I think that it's helpful in, in, you know, discussing these kind of philosophical, scientific, intellectual questions, to remember that there is a spiritual war going on um, that doesn't sound very pretty, but that Mm -hmm. Satan does use uh, Darwinism uh, Anti God thinking, uh, atheism like it is a tool in Satan's hand to lead people away from the truth. Mm. Um, you know, it's it's one of the ways where you know, like like Paul says that the God of this world has blinded uh, the minds of unbelievers. And um, so, in, th- in that case, I mean, just something so ab- absurd like that. At least from a Christian perspective, it's mean, just like it's not rational. It's not emotionally comforting. I mean, there's nothing. I mean, just is this is a zero. Um, I think we understand well that just sheds light on okay, there is a, a spiritual aspect to this um, that, that only the gospel uh, and, and prayer can, can penetrate. Um, because it comes to a point where it's not about the argument anymore. I mean, this person's convinced that they're stardust and that that's a good thing, that they're never yeah. going to exist again. Um, so it's just a reminder, I think, I don't know if this really answers your question directly, but it's just a reminder, you know, I think for all of us that, you know, we're dealing with um, a spiritual war, uh, and that Satan does use these very uh, tangible, physical, real uh, things for his purposes, and that obviously we, we combat them with, with the church, with prayer, with with God's word. Mm-hmm. That's
1: good. I mean, a lot of those people, to be honest, if I was talking to them, I mean, probably the first statement I would say, trying to keep a you know, lower tone would be, I don't believe you. I'll, I'll just tell them I don't believe you. And I would base that both on uh, talking to a lot of non-believers over the years and also based on Scripture in Romans chapter 1. Everyone knows that God exists. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not talking about people who had brain damage or, you know, they got certain disorders or something like that where they can't use their, their faculties properly. But everyone knows that God exists. But it can be to the point, I say most of them I'd say it to. There are some people who have went so far and God's given order to the reprobate ma- mind. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, they really do believe that but I think that's a small percent. And most people, I think they're putting on a facade. Most hardcore evolutions I talk to, if I have the opportunity to get them to know them more over time, talk to them more, deeper discussions, I basically find it's just a big facade. You know, it's a facade. Um, there's different reasons why they're like that. Maybe something happened to them earlier in their life, you know, a trauma. Often we find out they had a trauma. Um, there's some of them who just, you know, they're just very proud and arrogant. You know, uh, but they know that God exists, and so, like Mark said, we, we have to use discernment. Yeah. You know, if you've given good objective evidence, it can't be rebutted. Again, not to say it has to be a debate, and they still want to have their belief system. Well, you know what? God has given us, in my opinion, some limited free will. So, um, but for most of those people, I would just tell them, I don't believe them.
0: And see where that leads. <laughs> like, be like, okay, I think you are actually really scared, and then they're like, okay, yes, I am. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Well, uh, any closing thoughts uh, on this uh, today?
2: Well, I think it, this is uh, what I is doing, and uh, the creation science. I think it's a tool in our toolbox that God's given us. That uh, again, you don't have to be. If, if you are really into it and you are a scientist, you just love science, biology, physics, astronomy, that's great, I mean, that's God's given, made us diverse. Um, and ICR has those resources and God can use you uh, to encourage other people in those areas and, and talk to people about that. Uh, but if you're more of just, you know, have my basic ninth grade level biology understanding, and but I have my, my kids have questions about things, my coworkers, my family members, like we reviewed today, there's just some simple questions you can ask, uh, to get the conversation going, uh, to, to get people thinking, uh, about their worldview, about where they've come from. Uh, at the end of the day, God has made us intelligent beings. It doesn't mean we're all Einsteins, but he's made us thinking rational people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is, you know, conversations and questions, uh, are one of the, the means God uses to bring people to faith.
1: Nope. Not yeah. much I can add to that. I think that's a good summary. Can I add awesome. something? I'd yep, love to yeah. add something. Yes, <laughs>
3: okay, Trey. But um, I just wanted to add, like, we just can be so encouraged because you were talking um, either earlier this episode or the last episode that we did with y'all about how we are two part beings. Um, and also we think, we think rationally with our brains and we also, we are personal creatures that God made us that way. And so, we can just be encouraged like we are not an accident. Making it personal, you are not an accident. You are created in the image of God and he does have a purpose for you. And if you turn to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then you can live according to that purpose. And that's just a beautiful, beautiful place to be. And like you were talking about earlier, Trey, it's not just about being right. It's not, that is not what ultimately matters. It's about the Lord Jesus Christ being right and God being right in what he said in his word and being worthy of our praise and being worthy of our trusting him enough to give our lives to him so that we can live with him um, together forever.
0: Absolutely. Well, thank y'all so much for being here uh, for your second episode of creation.live. We really appreciate it. And thank you to all of our listeners and viewers for joining us again for creation.live. Please make sure to like, subscribe, leave a comment, share with your friends and family, and we'll see you next time on creation.live.